0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. The Capital One Venture X business card earns unlimited double miles on every purchase. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com/slash VentureX Business. You're listening to Shortwave
1: from NPR. Okay, confession time. I love thunderstorms. The sounds, the flashes of light. The ground rumbling. I love all of this when I'm indoors. But when I'm outside in the rain and seeing lightning coming my way, I, a full grown adult, become terrified and run into the nearest building. I've been that way ever since I can remember. And Aurelien Roy, a physicist at Ecole Polytechnique near Paris, says he was the same as a kid.
2: I think, like many kids, I was uh, at the same time scared and fascinated by the lightning and thunder by uh, the big flash of light that you see and uh, waiting for the sound to to know uh, if it's far or if it's close my my dog was always uh, frightened by by the lightning and uh, shaking like this
1: and lightning doesn't just scare dogs and kids it has real world consequences outside of raising our heartbeats Storms delay flights, lightning strike buildings, and wind farms. People get struck by lightning every year. Between 2006 and 2021, 444 people in the United States died from a lightning strike. Aurelion and his multinational team are on a mission to draw lightning away from planes, people, and other precious objects. And it turns out, despite a brief flirtation with rockets, scientists' starting point is technology that's over 250 years old.
2: What we have uh, for the moment as a solution to to redirect or to to protect uh, from lightning is uh, the the lightning rod invented by uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, a few centuries ago. And actually, this is the the only method that is known to be efficient to protect uh, against lightning. But uh, it's most of the time limited to uh, a few meter height.
1: Basically, The big technology we have to defend ourselves against lightning is a big metal rod that, when placed on top of a three-story building, covers about a 10-meter radius, or roughly 33 feet.
2: The range of action of this lightning rod is relatively limited because uh, it corresponds roughly to the height of the lightning rod.
1: And there's only so high up you can reasonably build a lightning rod.
2: Today, nobody is uh, using a a kilometer-sized lightning rod because... uh, It's too complicated to generate, to produce, and to install.
1: Plus, these days, we have huge buildings. I mean, this method can't even protect an airport. And past or present, there's large swaths of land that are unprotected. It's a problem in need of a 21st century update. Today on the show, lightning. How it works, why rockets are not the answer, and how high-powered lasers could be the key to protect the world from dangerous lightning strikes. I'm Regina Barber and you're listening to Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR.
0: This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
1: To solve the problem of how to redirect lightning, researchers first need to understand what lightning is. The easiest way to think about this is if you've ever scooted across a carpet with fuzzy socks on, and then you shock yourself on a doorknob. Or purposely shock your sibling. There's a little spark of static electricity. And basically one of two things is happening here. Either you're accumulating electrons, those negatively charged subatomic particles, on yourself, or electrons are being ripped from you, making a part of your body a supercharged thing, where before you were more or less neutral, no big charge imbalance. In either case, your body wants to be balanced again. So that imbalance of electrons results in these subatomic particles literally jumping off your body or to your body from somewhere else. That is mini-lightning you see as you shock yourself. As for what that means for lightning out in the world, that's what's happening to the clouds in the sky. Water and hot air currents move those electrons around.
2: Lightning happens when when you have... Formation of uh, huge clouds in the in the sky, with a charge inside the clouds. And actually, the charge appear in the clouds when you have a big uh, movement of particle of water in the sky. And because some space are hotter and some are colder in the skies, you have some air that goes up and some air that goes down. And it it makes friction. And it's like when you when you touch. Um, A sweat? The wool? um. Yeah,
1: the sweater? The wool sweater?
2: When you touch it very fast, you can make electricity.
1: The clouds become charged, and electrons either want to travel to the ground or connect with a positively charged cloud. That's lightning. And while it's very unlikely that lightning will hit a person, every year it damages trees, buildings, and delays many flights. So what's used now to redirect lightning away from buildings is a lightning rod. It's a pointy piece of metal that acts as a conductor, letting electricity flow through it. And it's connected to the earth, or grounded. Since the rod is grounded, it can attract lightning and siphon off excess charge from the clouds, reducing the likelihood of lightning. Aurelion says that there's technically another method that successfully redirects lightning. Rockets.
2: In the end of the 20th century, the fact to use uh, rockets with an uh, electric uh, wire attached to the rocket. So if you send a rocket with a very long wire be- behind the rocket, 100 meters or even more, the, the rocket with the wire will, uh, will start to be charged in the presence of the, of the electric field created by the, the lightning cloud. And it will induce a lightning and guide it uh, along the the wire. Uh, So you can have a guiding of the lightning like this.
1: But this rocket approach has a lot of downsides.
2: It requires a very precise uh, timing to shoot the rocket. And also it can only work one time. So it was never really considered as a protection for lightning because uh, it's too expensive. It's waste and it can fall uh, you don't exactly know where. (laughs) And you have to retrieve uh, what, what remains of the rocket. But this is basically what, what we want to do with the laser, but with something that doesn't fall down and that you can use uh, continuously when you need it.
1: So, okay. Lightning rods cover too small an area. Rockets are impractical. Enter those high powered lasers. In 2021, Aurelian and his team successfully used a laser to redirect lightning for the first time ever. This is how it works. The laser shoots a beam into the air, and it forces molecules in the air to undergo ionization.
2: In every molecule uh, in in air, you have uh, nitrogen and oxygen. You have some electrons around the molecule. And if you send energy on on this molecule, uh, you can detach uh, some of these electrons outside. And uh, then the electrons can go everywhere.
1: They used a laser that pulses 1,000 times a second, which basically creates a column of air with all these free electrons, turning it into a giant lightning rod. This experiment was done on a remote Swiss mountain, where a telecommunications tower is struck roughly 100 times a year.
2: So on the Swiss mountain, um, uh, the difficulty of this uh, station was uh, that it's not accessible by road, so you need to use a gondola to go there. Or to use uh, an helicopter. And uh, so we used the gondola for most of the equipment. But for that, we had to design uh, a laser that would be able to be splitted in small parts to fit in the gondola.
1: It took four months to install everything.
2: So we had to separate the laser in several parts to put it in the gondola and to make the laser in one part again uh, on top of the mountain.
1: It was an exciting moment. Because this laser, it's a fulfillment of a decades-old idea. But a successful test wasn't possible until recently due to a number of things. First, the lasers had to get more powerful.
2: We choose a laser technology that is able to to shoot 1,000 laser pulse per second. So it's a a big increase compared to all the experiments that were done before because they were only shooting one shot per second or 10 shots per second. So we have much more chance to catch the lightning when it's uh, developing and to guide it during uh, its propagation.
1: Second, it turns out it's really hard to predict where lightning is going to be to test these lasers. Aurelion's team found a solution for that,
2: too. We choose the place where the lightning happens often, every year, about uh, 80 or 1,000 times uh, every year, and... More important, all the time, the lightning is hitting uh, the big tower that is installed on top of this mountain called uh, Mount Santis. so we can be sure that for all this lightning events, we, we know where the lightning will go, even if you go in a country that uh, that records thousands of lightning every year, this lightning can 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 be one kilometer or two kilometers away from the position where you are.
1: But the challenges don't stop at laser power and lightning prediction. There's also the disruptive temperature changes and the many ways the field site is impacted by all the terrible weather associated with lightning.
2: You have a very strong wind during the lightning storm, uh, up to hundreds of kilometers, a a lot of rain also. And also you can have uh, electricity shut down during the lightning. So we had to to face all this uh, difficulty during the experiment, and it took us... uh, Also one month to make the laser continue to work.
1: And because they had to be at the station when the lightning storm was happening, they had to sleep on the mountain right next to the tower.
2: So at the beginning, we were trusting that the weather forecast could tell us precisely when the lightning will come. But after a few weeks, we realized that the forecasts were not very precise
1: (laughs) and that uh,
2: the weather was changing very fast. So um, after this, we decided to stay all the time on the mountain and to sleep on the mountain. So every morning we had to start the laser, we have to estimate if there is a chance of lightning, then to call for the airport to say, we will use the air corridor, so please uh, be ready to to stop the air traffic. And then uh, we have to Mm -hmm. confirm uh, one hour before shooting to stop the air traffic and we can start uh, to shoot the laser.
1: In the study, the laser was able to protect a whopping 180-meter radius, which is why Aurelion thinks lasers have a lot of promise. And he hopes to one day extend the laser way higher, hundreds of meters in the sky to protect an even wider radius. But that will require more data and probably more mountaintop lasers in more places around the globe. It's a feat that will take careful planning and probably years to accomplish, In the meantime, I'll be happy looking at lightning, knowing that my irrational fears are one step closer to being put to rest, thanks to science. If you have a science question, send us an email at shortwave at npr.org. Today's episode was produced by Liz Metzger and Burleigh McCoy, edited by our supervising producer Rebecca Ramirez, and fact-checked by Anil Oza. The audio engineer was Gilly Moon. Brendan Crump is our podcast coordinator. Our senior director of programming is Beth Donovan, and the senior vice president of programming is Anya Grunman. I'm Regina Barber. Thanks for listening to Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, ShipBob. E-commerce logistics making you question why you started your business? Time to outsource fulfillment to the experts over at ShipBob. Get a free quote at shipbob.com. ShipBob. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside.
1: Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories,
0: Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.